0: The Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast is brought to you by Triple Threat Sports. For all your team outfitting needs, call Chris at 708-478-6090. Mariska's in Crest Hill, family-owned and operated since 1933. And Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien. Visit chuckscafe.com. Let's drop the puck. Welcome to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast with NBCChicago.com's James Naveau and 670 The Score's hockey guy Jay Zawoski. Here right, I, Chicago. Woo! Welcome into a solo edition of the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score. Not with me tonight is my partner James Naveau, who's having some technical difficulties and some life difficulties and uh, it's just been an all-around crappy day for James so uh weren't able to make it happen but we're gonna do one uh, just me here tonight I'll do my best to get all your emails answered to talk about all the things that need to be discussed and then James and I will be back later in the week for a full-on full power uh even strength I guess we could call it Madhouse podcast but thanks for tuning in always appreciate your time a uh, lot to discuss here with the Blackhawks and uh you know, they're sort of in the periphery right now. They've been up against the Cubs almost every night, it seems, and it's been difficult to sort of isolate on the Hawks and give them the attention they deserve. Um, but there are some things, some stories, some storylines that are ongoing and that will continue as the season goes on that can be discussed for sure. Now, look, we discussed last week, um, you can't really glean too much from the first couple games where they blow out the Penguins, uh, they blow out uh, the, the uh, Blue Jackets, And they just sort of roll along, roll along. We've seen now over the last few games that there are some real issues with this team. Not a surprise. Nothing anyone didn't see coming. But the defensive depth is, as we feared, not good. Uh, Duncan Keith is still Duncan Keith. Varen Seabrook has gotten worse. He's gotten slower. Uh, We've seen him turnstile time after time after time this season. Not looking good for Brent Seabrook, and there's a lot of years left on that contract. Seven years left on that deal. I don't know how the Hawks are going to find their way out of that one, but uh, man, when it was signed at the time, James and I didn't like it. That continues. I still think Brent Seabrook's a three or a four, um, but right now he's just not anything close to the player he was, and we have to qualify this, as we always do, and I got called a Seabrook apologist this week for saying this, but it's true. You can't deny it. The guy has played a ton of hockey deep into the playoffs, Olympic hockey, preseason hockey, you know, runs at the cup, cup championships. The guy's got a ton of hard miles on him. And for the longest time, he was one of the Hawks' few physical players. That style of play with his body size, with his body type, with that many miles of hockey on him, it's going to take its toll eventually. I can't be mad at Brent Seabrook for the way he's playing right now. And I'm not going to be a guy who's going to shout out, you suck Seabrook, you blow. Look, The dude has aged naturally. This is what happens when players hit their mid-30s. It shouldn't be a surprise to anybody. Now, the Hawks have the superhuman Duncan Keith. They had Chris Chelios, who's another example of a guy who was sort of superhuman and defied age forever, but those guys are not typical. Duncan Keith and Chris Chelios are special because of their longevity, because of their ability to stay at the level they've always played at despite their age, despite their mileage. Brent Seabrook is aging like a typical... 30-some-year-old defenseman should be aging. So while it's not good, and you would obviously like him to be better, um, what's troubling is the contract. That's the big deal. I'm not mad at Seabrook. I'm mad at Stan Bowman for signing that deal. We have broken that down time and time again, so there's no point in it. The deal signed. It's not going to get undone. So we're just sort of wasting breath talking about it at this point. But they're going to have to find a way to use Brent Seabrook uh, in – A way to sort of shelter him a little bit but here's the question if you shelter Brent Seabrook who are you now leaving unprotected you thought in the preseason maybe Connor Murphy was going to get a look on that top pairing with Duncan Keith well he's been scratched twice and could be scratched again Wednesday night when the Hawks play the Blues so he hasn't worked out the way Stan Bowman thought he would or the way I thought he would seeing what he did in the preseason I liked how he played in the preseason I would like him to continue playing by the way The way that he's going to get better is by playing not by sitting in the press box we ran into this problem last year when the playoffs rolled around you had a bunch of defensemen that did not have enough experience so when you needed them to play they weren't ready Michael Kempney Gustav Forsling etc etc you bring in Johnny Oduya and other veteran players it doesn't help him get better it doesn't help the young players gain that experience they need to be ready for the playoffs so I'm hoping that Even though Connor Murphy's struggling a little bit, his Corsi numbers are brutal, Uh, even though he's not playing well, the way he's going to get better is by playing. And the way he's going to get better is by getting more familiar with the system on the ice. I want him to be playing. I don't think he's been so bad that he's been a detriment to the team. I really don't. Gustav Forzen is another guy who you've seen flashes here and there, but more often than not, he's not looking like he knows what's going on around him. I used the word, I think what was the word I used uh, during the preseason? Sort of panicked. He plays like a out-of-control, kind of reckless style. He, he always seems to be scrambling, always seems to be sort of catching up, like he's playing too fast. He's got to slow down. He's got to let the game come to him a little bit. Uh, and, uh, you know, again, that's something he that gets worked out with play. But for the time being, I think it's shocking that the Hawks have the record they have. Um, they're not as good as they're playing. Um, But like we said, all offseason, let's let the kids play. Let's let this D develop. You've got cap space, so at the deadline you want to add somebody, you go ahead and add them. I'm fine with that. But for the time being, let's let these kids play. Let's let them make their mistakes. I think the Hawks have enough talent. We've seen them offensively for sure. They've got enough talent to sort of stay above water, have a winning record. They're not going to continue this pace by any means, but they're good enough to be in the playoffs. The hot start is definitely going to help them as well. Corey Crawford's playing Vezina-level goalie. We'll get to that in a little bit as well. Um, But definitely some concerns on the Hawks' blue line. Up front, the Hawks are getting some good news for sure. Nick Schmaltz looks like he's going to play Wednesday night against the Blues. He's missed a handful of games here with the upper body injury. Whatever it was, it's great to have Nick Schmaltz back. And speaking of Schmaltz, I was talking to a source in the team today, and what he told me was that Patrick Kane feels that Nick Schmaltz is going to be a better compliment to him than Artemi Panarin. That is saying something. When one of the best players in the world at the top of his game right now uh, has had career years with Artemi Panarin on his wing, for him to already this quickly into the season say, look, Nick Schmaltz is going to be better than Artemi Panarin, at least for me, that's high praise. And I saw Mark Lazarus uh, mentioned it today on Twitter that there's a lot of pressure on Nick Schmaltz now to sort of carry the team. Uh, His hot start has sort of raised expectations. Good. I think that's a good thing. I'm not afraid of putting pressure on a first-round pick that spent time in a system waiting to develop. He's your number two center. There should be expectations on him. Sure, maybe they're a little unfair. Maybe it's a little unfair to think that he's going to be as great a player as he's been in this short season so far, but why not? Like I said, the dude's a first-round pick playing on the second line with Patrick Kane and Ryan Hartman right now and who knows when Dabrinkit's going to be there I think if Kane had his way Dabrinkit would be there now but you know he'll get there eventually that's definitely his future is on the top six but I, I don't think putting pressure or putting expectation on Nick Schmaltz is a bad thing at all he's been he's answered the bell last year started slow looked a little bit overwhelmed went down to Rockford worked on the things the Hawks wanted him to work on and he came back a a different guy, and he hasn't looked looked back since then. He's been outstanding, and I I said it to James last week. When he's on the ice, he's one of the most impressive players out there, maybe the most impressive player. He's attacking with speed. He's got great vision, great hands. I really love what I've seen from Nick Schmaltz this year. I know it's been limited, and I know he's been hurt. He's got to stay on the ice to make an impact, but so far so good for Nick Schmaltz. I really like what I see there. Brandon Saad, I think it goes without saying how good he's been. Every goal he's scored has been the game-winner this year. Or, the, I'm sorry, the four game-winning goals the Hawks have had have all been scored by Brandon Saad. He's got six goals. He's been great. Jonathan Taves has looked better. Patrick Sharp looks rejuvenated. I don't know how long it's going to last, but he looks rejuvenated. I, I think everything up front is fine. And you've even got some depth now with you know Tommy Wingles, I know people don't love Lance Boma, but he's a guy you can put in there and he's not going to hurt you very much. Um, I really like what the Hawks have up front. I think it's going to be good enough to get them to the playoffs and to overcome some of these def- defensive deficiencies the team has. I think they're going to win a lot of games, you know, 5-4, 6-5. It's going to be some exciting, high-scoring hockey at the United Center this year. Um, but but uh, I think you got to be pleased with what you've seen up front so far. Like we said earlier, the D is a concern. But up front, the forwards look good, they look ready, they look poised, they look confident, Uh, and it's only going to get better as Dabrinkit and Schmaltz and Hartman get more and more games and more and more shifts under their belt. All right, we're going to take our first time out, but before we do, we want to tell you about our friends at Triple Threat Sports. You know they're the best place to go in town to get your jerseys, your NHL jerseys, uh, baseball jerseys, football jerseys, anything lettered, numbered to look like it looks on the ice, on the field, wherever they're also the best place to go in town if you have a team that needs jerseys or apparel for off-ice, off the field, anything. They'll help you design the logo. They'll help you design the look. They'll help you design the fit. Triple Threat will make you look like a pro team on ice. You'll be the best dressed. 16 and softball team, travel soccer team, whatever you need, Triple Threat Sports will have it and they will make you look hot as hell out on the field there, out on the ice. So give them a call. It's 708 478 6090. That's 708 478 6090. Or email chris at triplethreatsports.com for more details. Triple Threat Sports, if you can wear it, they can make it. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Corey Crawford and some other good news on the Hawks front. This is the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back into the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. My name is Jay Zawoski. No James Naveau tonight. Some technical difficulties have kept James from joining us here. But we will work to resolve those, and he'll be back later this week for our second podcast of the week. Speaking of that, I know last week James and I discussed having a set schedule of podcasts, and uh, it's a great idea, and we'd love to do it. But as we were sort of looking ahead to the schedule, it's going to be nearly impossible to have a dedicated schedule. We actually polled our fans on our Twitter page, at Pod on Twitter, and said, how much does it matter to you to have a set schedule? And very few people uh, cared, you know. You subscribe, you get the notification. There's a new episode. As long as there's one a week, everyone seemed happy. We're gonna do our very best to get you two a week. Now, James is a little bit swamped here, and I'm a little bit swamped with the Cubs in the playoffs. Once that's over, and it could be sooner than later, it appears, um, things will get back to absolutely normal. Uh, two podcasts a week, no problem. It's just we wanted to say, you know, maybe every Tuesday and Friday, but it's just, it's not doable. It's not realistic. Uh, it's just not something that we could find a, you know, looking at the Hawks' schedule, we could do one on a Thursday night. But if they play, you know, it's already kind of old, or we have to wait until the game's over at 11 p.m. to do it. That's not ideal for anybody. You're not going to get our best if we're exhausted, if we're tired. So we're going to keep the schedule of two a week, um, but they will be sort of random days. Look for one you know, early in the week, like Monday or Tuesday, and then later in the week, Friday or Saturday, maybe even on a Sunday. But we're going to do our best to get you two podcasts a week, especially if, you know, news warrants. We'll we'll definitely get you those special episodes as they become necessary. But I mentioned before the break some good Hawks news uh, aside from Nick Schmaltz returning and aside from their great record at the start of the season, Eddie Olchek is going to call a couple games this week for the Hawks on now it's not Comcast Sportsnet anymore, it's NBC Sports Network Chicago, which is okay, I get that's a cool name, it's probably better than Comcast Sportsnet, but it's just, you know, there's now there's a million NBC Sportses and they're very hard to find, and I'm on the PlayStation View, so I get like CSN Anaheim and CSN Boston, and they're all this little tiny icons, and I can't ever find the right channel, and I feel like an old man, I'll figure it out it's just you know it's just taking some adjustment for me that's all anyway Eddie O will be back for a handful of games health uh you know allowing and I spoke with him today we're going to have him on with Spiegel and Parkins on Friday he's going to talk some Hawks and be our celebrity football game picker so that'll be fun look for that in a noon hour Friday again if Eddie's feeling up to it which he expects he would be um, but you never know with what he's going through but look for Eddie o, check Friday on Spiegel and Parkins and, and I have to say since he's been gone, I've really noticed how good he is. I think we tend to take it for granted. Um, he's been part of the Hawks for so long. We've heard it so many times, and I've heard a lot of people in years past sort of rip on the fact that him and Foley don't take things 100% seriously all the time. I get that. They're friends. I get that it annoys people, too. doesn't bother me. I like the banter. That's why I loved Pat Foley and Dale Talon. It wasn't always just calling a game. I can see the game. It's right in front of me they got some cool stories and stuff fine share them doesn't bother me in the least but uh i I, steve conroy's a great guy we've had him on the station a million times uh nothing but nice to me always there when i have a question but eddie o is a different level of color commentator he is so good at what he does the way he sees things happening as quickly as he does he gets them queued up ready to go as soon as they happen uh eddie olchek is the best color analyst in hockey i don't think there's any doubt about it And if you're looking around sports, and this is kind of a question for our emailers, I suppose, madhousepod at gmail.com, tell me a better analyst in any sport than Eddie Olchek. Now, you know, John Gruden, a guy, kind of a similar uh, background to Eddie, you know, he didn't play in the NFL, but coached, head coach in the NFL, uh, you know, coached a lot of players uh, that are still in the league now that are still relevant he works with quarterbacks so he has that sort of contact as well um he's probably as good as it gets nfl wise chris collinsworth is okay um the the analysis is there now and again but with eddie it's constant it seems like every whistle he's breaking something down he's seeing something that the naked eye couldn't see and i've learned a ton from watching with him um, from speaking with him it's going to be great to have him back in whatever role he can manage to do uh i didn't think we'd see eddie for a long time I didn't think we would see him calling games until maybe after the all-star break. Who knows? But to have him here, what, the third week of the season, that's outstanding. I'm really glad Eddie's back. Uh, I'm really pulling for him. And when you hear the way, you know, Foley talks about him when he's there or when he's not there, they've not been public with how, um, I don't know, I don't know what the word is, dire or how serious. I mean, cancer is always a serious thing. But no one really knows how far along it is, what his odds are of beating it. Um, but, man, if anyone's going to do it, it's Eddie. Uh, I know everybody's pulling for him. Uh, and, man, just from being a, just from a hockey fan's perspective, it's going to be really great to have him back in the booth. I've missed him big time, missed him more than I ever thought I would. It's just his level of analysis is so much better than anyone else's in the game. And, and frankly, like I said, pretty much in any sports. I'm trying to think. Baseball analysts, like who really is great at breaking it down? John Smoltz is good at breaking it down. He sees things kind of as they're happening and can quickly tell you what it is. But I think baseball is different because, and football is different too because it's a play and then you have time to analyze it, time to see what happened, and then explain it. In hockey, it's constant motion. So he's got to say, okay, you know, look at this play 45 seconds ago. You'll notice this little thing here that's hard to do in the course of a live back and forth sport that doesn't really have like start finish start finish to a play like baseball and football have um I've really been impressed with Eddie O he's great he's the best and I I want to know if you guys think there's a better analyst in sports broadcasting let me know madhousepod at gmail.com or hit us up on twitter at madhousepod Uh, I'd like to know because I can't think of anyone better. There might be people as good. I can't think of anyone clearly better than Eddie Olchek at what they do. And remember, we're talking about analysts, not play-by-play guys. So you can say Al Michaels, Pat Foley, Doc Emmerich. That's great. Those guys are terrific at what they do, but they're not analyzing the game. They're calling the action. So that's different. I'm talking about an analyst, a guy when the play is over, can show you what happened, can show you why it happened, and explain why what might happen now as a result right Tony Romo just popped into my head he's done a pretty good job at that since taking over on CBS this year what I didn't like early on was he would just watch the game be and say it's going to be a run to the right and then Jim Nance would say why is it a run to the right Pfft, I played football for 10 years I know blah blah blah. no teach me teach the viewer what it is I think he's gotten much better as the season's gone on and including the listener. And some of the things he's taught. Uh, Tony Romo's good. Right out of the hop. He's been really good. Uh, John Madden used to be that way. And that's why he's still making... God, I wonder how much money he's making off the Madden football franchise year after year. It's got to be in the millions, right? You would think. Considering how much that game sells, it's got his name on it. It's had his name on it forever. What, 20... What, the 25th year was a couple years ago. So probably 27, 28 years of Madden football. It's crazy. There's kids in college that were, that had Madden their entire lives. (laughs) That's insane. I mean, I remember I had Madden for the PlayStation 2. Would that have been college? Maybe it was a PS1. Whatever it was. I'm old for the record. I'm I'm almost 40. Um, But man, I remember just those first versions of, wow, look at the helmets round. Wow. Look at that. (laughs) You can see the logos on the helmets. That's incredible. That seems like forever ago, but man, man football's been around a long time. He's going to be raking in the money. All right, time for another timeout. Before we what we do, we want to tell you about our friends at Marishka's, 604 Theodore Street in Crest Hill, 815-723-9371. Listen, I still have not located my live copy, so I'm just going to shoot from the hip, okay? Marishka's is awesome. If you live in the South Burbs, I don't care if you don't live in the South Burbs. You need to find your way to Mariska's. It should be a place that everyone in the Chicagoland area goes to at least once in their life. Because it's a life-changing experience. They're famous for the poor boy sandwiches. They're absolutely amazing. They are covered in garlic butter, Parmesan. Oh, God. It's the greatest sandwich you'll ever have in your life. I swear it. I would not lie to you about this. They've also got gargantuan onion rings uh the twice baked potato which is amazing the icelandic cod which is terrific i had that during lent this year and i was happy that i was heartbroken i couldn't get the poor boy but then i got the cod and i said okay yeah that's phenomenal their mac and cheese is great they've got just if you want a burger you want a steak they've got you hooked there too everything's made on premises everything's fresh you're thirsty good they got a big bar full of craft beer bank facilities for up to 110 people. So go visit our friends at Marishka's 604 Theater Street in Crest Hill, 815-723-9371. Close only on Christmas, Easter, the 4th of July, and Thanksgiving. Check them out on Facebook at facebook.com slash M-E-R-I-C-H-K-A-S. When we come back, we'll talk about Corey Crawford, and then get ready for the email segment. Thank you for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast. Welcome back to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey podcast. One more segment to the emails. My name is Jay Zawoski from 670 The Score. Typically, I'm with my partner, James Navo from NBC5Chicago.com. James is not with me tonight. We had some technical difficulties. They're being corrected. They're being fixed, and he will be ready to go by the end of the week. He sends his best. He sends his regards, um, but I miss James. It's not the same. It's just me kind of monologuing. I'm sure you guys are bored. I'm bored with myself. You guys have to be really bored listening, but keep listening, please. Please do. By the way, this is a good chance to tell you: um, save the date, January twentieth. We're gonna have an event with the Chicago Wolves. There'll be tickets available, discounted tickets. Uh, we're not gonna do anything like you win and then you don't show up. We want it to be something where you guys will actually come, come and enjoy it, watch the game with us. We're gonna have our own section to watch the Chicago Wolves play. It's gonna be a good time. So make sure you save the date, January twentieth. More details to come. The Wolves are just kind of getting their season started. So once they've gotten all that stuff underway. They'll get to the planning of this event, and we'll have more details for you. But the date is set. It's going to happen January 20th at the Allstate Arena, Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast at the Wolves game. Save the date. All right. Corey Crawford. We spent a lot of the offseason tearing apart lists and rankings and blah, blah, blah that did not have Corey Crawford among the best in the league. Uh, This has just been another example this season of Corey Crawford being among the elite goaltenders in the league you really can't have the argument anymore and I know it's a small sample size this year say what you want Uh, we're looking at a 1.39 goals against average and a 96 save percentage he's seen 174 shots and allowed seven okay look again Small sample size, I know. But let's look at the evidence of the past few years, right? People say, well, any goalie can play well with the Blackhawks defense in front of him. Bull crap. Take a close look at how putrid the Hawks D has been over the last couple of seasons. This year it's going to be even worse. And he's got incredible mind bending statistics through five games. Again, qualifying it. Five starts for Corey Crawford. Outstanding in all of them. I know a small sample size, but the dude is playing out of his mind. Anton Forsberg has been an admirable backup. But now you're sort of seeing when Forsberg played versus when Crawford played, it's a different level of goaltending. The guy is playing outstanding. I don't know what it's going to take for him to get the respect of people Outside of Chicago or hell, even inside Chicago. But the national media who sort of carries the narrative for guys like that, when are they going to get on board? When are they going to understand? I had an interview with Mike Rupp that went horribly wrong, and we weren't able to air it. Um, but he said, Yeah, Corey Crawford's among the top five goalies in the league, no doubt about it. So there's guys out there that believe it. I just don't know what more he's gonna have to do. He's already won two Stanley Cups, 2013. He should have won the Smythe Trophy. The guy that did win it, Patrick Kane, said as much after he won. He said, this is great, but it should really go to Corey Crawford. He's the guy that deserves this, and it was true. We talk about this all the time. It goes back to uh, the game against the Bruins. He allowed five goals, glove side, became this huge story that Corey Crawford's glove hand sucked, and he's never been able to shake that, regardless of what he's done regardless of what he's put up statistically no regardless of what he's won uh as an individual and as a team uh people just don't want to buy it maybe that's what it's going to take a year like this if he can he's not going to keep this pace up but if he can keep up a Vezina level of goaltending all year long maybe that's what it's going to take is that individual trophy for Corey Crawford to win to get the respect of everybody around the league I don't know why it bothers me so much I just feel like Corey Crawford is the guy I fight for the most And it's kind of ridiculous, especially in town, how the city has not embraced Corey Crawford yet. Look, the dude had a drunken rant at a Stanley Cup parade. If that doesn't endear you to Chicago hockey fans, I don't know what's going to. He drinks like you. He swears like you. He's just like you, except he's an awesome, elite, amazing goaltender. When are people going to catch on to this? I don't know. But if they watch the Blackhawks this year, And see, if he keeps up play anything close to what he's doing right now, they're finally going to take notice. And, man, I just – I really like the dude. I think Corey Crawford's really good, and he's been unfairly torn apart by some people in this town, and it needs to stop. And he's doing his best to put a stop to it right now. So happy that Crawford's playing as well as he is. Um, I don't know if they're going to keep up the pace they're on with him, where it's five starts to one, him and Forsberg. I don't know if that makes a lot of sense um I don't know but hey you don't want to take the guy out when he's playing as well as he is you really don't I just I don't know if you you don't want to wear him out before the season ends so uh want to keep an eye on that him getting overplayed but man so far so good for Corey Crawford he's been great and playing in front of a D that's not been so good by the way uh, a guy I failed to mention in this podcast is Jan Ruda Jan Ruda had a really solid preseason for the Hawks and has come in and has sort of proven himself to be the Hawks' number two defenseman. That's kind of insane. And if you told me that before the season began, like, hey, uh, Jan Ruta is going to be the second best defenseman on his team, I would have said, okay, they're screwed. And they might be screwed defensively. But ruta has been fantastic. And I, I like, that you know, there's nothing spectacular about his game. He's not overly fast, doesn't have a great shot, not a big scorer. Uh, not a killer shutdown defender he's just solid at all ends and I really like what I've seen from Jan Ruda the Blackhawks obviously do as well um he looks like he's here to stay he has earned his spot he's gonna be part of things uh, night after night after night. I don't see like what could really happen to him where he'd have big struggles. he would have had him already the big adjustment for him would have been the new ice surface the speed of the game those sort of things I think he's only gonna get better as he plays more and more games in the National Hockey League. So really encouraged by what I've seen from Jan Ruda. I think a lot of Hawks fans I've spoken to feel the same way. Uh, he's been absolutely outstanding. And uh, I, I don't know. I just I, I kind of wonder what you guys are thinking about the defense. I, I think that's the biggest story. It's going to be all year. Do you think it's time to add? Do you think it's, you know, probably not right away. But when should they start looking to upgrade? Have you given up on Connor Murphy yet? I don't think you should. How do you feel about Gustav Forsling? Has Michael Kempney taken that next step in your eyes as a Hawks fan? Hit us up at madhousepod at gmail.com. I think that a lot of these guys have played okay. I don't think anyone's been bad per se. Um, you know, Kempney has been kind of what you'd expect. Uh, you know, solid defensively, uh, not real spectacular, not making not making a ton of mistakes, but again, not doing anything great. Uh, I was surprised I'm surprised Cody Franzen hasn't played more I thought for sure he was going to be Quinville's go-to guy Um, from game one to game 82 you'd see him out there every day for better or worse I sort of like the fact that Q has not forced him into the lineup night after night I like that he's giving these kids a a chance to learn by their mistakes and that's what it's going to take but I, I wonder what it is about Connor Murphy that's different to him than Forsling or than uh, Kepney or, you know, what is it different about Connor Murphy for, for Joel Quenville? That I don't get. I, I I don't, I haven't seen him look as bad. Like I was surprised when he was scratched and it's not like he, I know he wasn't playing well, but I was very surprised when he was scratched, uh, the first time. And then it, it happened again. It was sort of like, has he been that bad? Has he been that much noticeably worse than Forsling or, or Kepney or I I didn't really think so when you look at the numbers deep though they're they're not good his Corsi relative is somewhere in the 30 high 30s which is terrible like if you're under 50 you had a bad game and he's in the high 30s it's just it hasn't looked that bad on the ice at least to me um wonder what you guys think so hit us up madhousepod at gmail.com before we take our final time I want to tell you guys about ways you can support the podcast Check us out on Patreon, patreon.com slash madhousepod, or our GoFundMe page, gofundme.com slash madhousepod. Several ways to donate uh, your cash to the podcast to help us out. Uh, I say it every week. I'll say it again tonight. We do not spend a penny of that money on ourselves. It's all used for the betterment of the podcast equipment, uh, travel, promotional giveaways, uh, things like that. It's not used for beer and pizza and video games and whatever else James and I want to do in our free time. It's all about the podcast. It's all about you guys. Um, so if you want to help out Patreon's a good way to do it. If you want to do a small amount monthly, you want to do, you know, five bucks, 10 bucks a month, uh, go to patreon.com. You can sign up to do that. Or if you want to do a one-time thing, which a couple of people have done, we've not forgotten about you people. We will get in touch with you soon and set up those, uh, dinner dates as soon as the, uh, baseball playoffs wrap up and James and I can get our schedules coordinated but check that out if you want to do a one-time thing GoFundMe is probably a better option GoFundMe.com slash MadhousePod all right final timeout, then we're going to come back with your emails you're listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast Email the guys at madhousepod at gmail.com or follow them on Twitter at madhousepod. The email segment, as always, is brought to you by our friends at Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with two locations in Burbank on 79th and Natchez and in Darien, just just north of I-55 on Cass Avenue. Just get off that Cass Avenue exit north, take it about two or three blocks, and you will be right there at Chuck's. They offer the best. And Cajun, Mexican, and barbecue—absolutely uh, outstanding! Chuck's is one of our go-to places around town. We had our recent podcast uh, live event there. We're going to do another one this year, so keep your eye out for that. But go to Chuck's, try the wings, try the Coach You Need of a Bill—that's my favorite. The ribs, the pulled pork, the barbecue nachos—the everything there is awesome. Chuck's is great. I always say, and even before they started to, you know, advertise on the show. I would tell people, whoever you're with, wherever you're looking to go, you've got a lot of people that you want to make happy with a meal. Chuck's is the place to go because there's literally something for everybody there. My mom has the least evolved palate of any human being I've ever met. She's all, you know, plain hamburgers, chicken tenders, you know, nothing fancy, nothing, uh, nothing spicy. She's always happy when she leaves Chuck's because she can find the chicken fingers are there. The mac and cheese is there. It's outstanding. And then you want to go with a foodie, someone with an evolved palate, you want to impress them a little bit. Chucks will help you out there too. It's a great place to go. Chuckscafe.com. Again, check out their Burbank and Darien locations. And uh, that website, Chuckscafe.com, will have a list of their daily specials. That's what is really their bread and butter. The daily specials are fantastic. That's the coach Cochinita Pabila I mentioned. That's the Saturday special. Keep an eye on the dessert menu. The cobbler's are insane. It's a hot pie with cold ice cream on top with it's a fruit pie like a mixed berry or strawberry or peach uh just absolutely amazing cobblers there so make sure if you go to chucks you get a cobbler check them out chuckscafe.com we thank them for their sponsorship all right first email of the show comes from ryan ryan thanks for your email he says guys i was struck by your debrinket conundrum on one hand i agree he's a better fit on that second line However, I also agree with the ongoing thoughts that with Panarin, the Hawks had a lot of samey players, which is why I like the also very fast but front-of-the-net-minded Hartman with Kane and Schmaltz. What are your thoughts on my second point, given your critique of Panarin and last year's team? It's a good point. And I think Hartman, who is leading the league in scoring at last check, that's pretty good. Um, He's fit nicely on that line. I think my bigger point with putting DeBrincat. On the second line was his struggles and his lack of apparent, um, uh, what's word I'm looking for, chemistry with Patrick Sharp and Artem They just, yeah, Sami is not a good thing for a team. I don't think it's a bad thing for a line. You know, yeah, it's it's not great to have a bunch of skill guys that are not going to go get their, you know, their hands dirty and they're not going to go mix it up in front of the net. If you have a line that's like that, I think that's okay. And I think that's sort of what was my point with Dabrinket. That line has looked better since we've last podcasted, so I'm not super concerned about it. Look, he's going to end up there. It's a matter of time before Dabrinket's on that second line and Ryan Hartman's on the third. I think I really like what I've seen from Hartman. Uh, I just think that he is more suited for a third-line checking role, uh, sort of the Brian Bickle role of old, hopefully with a little more consistency than uh, Brian Bickle showed when he was here. Thank you for the email. Good one. And I'll be rewarding the card this week. Oh, that's a lot of pressure. Damn. All right. That's important. I will uh, do my best to do a good job. Uh, email here from Dan. He says, the Schmaltz injury has got me thinking about Kane. We see him at his best when he has someone to create with. Someone who sees the ice in a similar way and is open and ready for a ridiculous pass. It worked with Panarin the last two years and with Schmaltz in a preseason. But the last two games, he looked frustrated with Anisimov and Hartman. I agree. Those two just play a different game. I think you need to put one of them to, to get net front, but not both. You need someone else to play with and off of Kane. So I think it would be better to put Brinkit with Anisimov and Kane if Schmaltz misses more time. I totally, totally agree with you. Patrick Kane was not hiding it. His body language was not good in the last game. And then they put him on the line with Brandon Saad in overtime, and he made an incredible pass and they had him out there with Brinkit for a little while, and he looked good there you could tell he was frustrated playing with anisimov and hartman the dude is, is a speed player he needs players to compliment him and yeah if nick schmaltz cannot go wednesday night it looks like he's going to um but if he can't go wednesday night they need to look at that because just putting him with anisimov and hartman it, it, it just doesn't work it's it's wasting patrick kane it, it really truly is and of course you'd like to see you know oh you know have a better attitude blah blah blah. fine he's not you're not using you're not utilizing him correctly playing him with those players there's there's no point it doesn't help anyone if that's the case email here from patrick he says jay and james who is your favorite player who struggled on a team but was either waived or traded and became a free agent success story Hmm. similar to sam gagne with columbus last year and hopefully nail yakupov in colorado that's a good question. Sam Gagne is a good answer. That's a good answer. I'm trying to think, a guy was waived or traded? How about Richard Panic? <laughs> Does that count? I mean, that's a dude who the Maple Leafs absolutely gave up on. And he scored 22 goals for the Hawks last year. Uh, he's having a really good season this year with the Blackhawks as well. Looks like he is kind of, you know, the question was is this the real deal? is Richard Panic. This good of a player so far through six games, 3 goals, 3 assists, uh 10 penalty minutes. Uh very happy with what I've seen from Richard Panic so far this year. Uh really strong skater. Not the prototypical power forward, but he plays a power forward's game because of his strength. So that's mine. That's my new one. My favorite comeback player is Richard Panic. I don't think there's any doubt about it. Jason Holter says, hey guys, I was sitting down in my basement to write this, invent my frustration with the stupid penalty that I knew would doom the Hawks when I looked it up and something to change my perspective. I saw four consecutive autographed pucks on my wall of Tuomo Rutu, Jocelyn Tebow, Boris Mironov, and Mark Bell. I just thought to myself, you know what? It could be worse. So I'm just going to move on from ranting about the penalty and ask, what is the most worthless <laughs> What is the most worthless piece of Blackhawk's memorabilia that you own? but still hang on to. Oh, man. I got a lot of useless Hawks memorabilia. I got a lot of it. Hmm. I got to see it now. You're see, I don't read these ahead of time because I like to react to them naturally. And now I'm sort of busted here with a question. I still have. Okay. Here's a story. My in-laws are going to the Hawks Oilers game. And, uh, Some of my jerseys and my wife's jerseys are still at her at her parents' house. So we just didn't take them when we moved. And they're looking for something to wear to the game coming up. And uh, my mother-in-law called my wife and said, hey, uh, would it be okay if dad wore this old Hawks jersey with Passmore on the back? So yes, there is a Steve Passmore jersey in the family. I would have to say that is the most worthless piece of Hawks memorabilia I or anyone else could own. I did have a Steve Pops jersey back in the day, but I sold it. I kind of came to my senses like why do I have this it's really stupid so I sold it got my money back 100% and uh one of the best decisions I ever made definitely uh email here from thanks for emailing Gingerburger. oh you're a roofer I didn't know you were a roofer I'm gonna have to call you engine roofing e-e-n-i-g-e-n-b-u-r-g roofing get your roof fixed by Gingerburger. everybody come on it's a free ad. Next one you gotta pay for. Jinjin. He says, What do you think of Murphy's performance so far this year? Uh I'm sorry, what do you think Murphy's performance so far this year has been and what should his role be going forward? Did he earn two healthy scratches? Is this another Trevor Daly scenario with Q refusing to give a new player a shot because he was traded for one of Q's pets? Good question. Very good question. And that was sort of I, I mentioned how I thought he was playing and what he should do. The Q thing is an angle I didn't mention, and I should have, because this is my fear. Is that Joel Quendles has made up his mind? I don't like this guy. I don't like what he does. I don't like his game. So he's going to be my doghouse guy this year. The Hawks gave up a ton to get him, namely Nicholas Jalmerson. Okay? They need Connor Murphy to work out. He has to be a top four defenseman on this team. I don't care. Or it's a complete bust of a trade. If you're going to trade a defenseman as good as Nicholas Jalmerson, you have to get quality back. Sure, you're probably not going to get someone as good as Jalmerson, but you've got to find a guy that's going to play every night. That's not been the case with Connor Murphy. It has to get better. It has to, or it's a total bust of a trade. And I do think that's part of it. I think that Quenville is not his biggest fan, um, and he's got to do whatever he can to get out of that doghouse, whatever that might be, and we never seem to really know what it is. Connor Murphy's got to do what he can to get out of Q's doghouse and stay out because they need him to be a big part of things going forward. Email here from Mark. He says, hey, guys, big fan of the Blackhawks and of the podcast. It's someone from Scotland. It's hard to get information on the Hawks. Uh, will you, do you ever see the NHL play in the United Kingdom again? As the NFL has played in Wembley and been successful. Also, can we see preseason games played as a Bruins in Belfast a few years back? I would think that's something they would look at. They played in China this year, and I don't know what that accomplishes. I, I don't think the NHL is ever going to really take off in China. I don't see that happening. I think England is a better chance. You've seen the English Premier League come here and win a lot of fans in the United States. I think you know English soccer is probably bigger here than it's ever been and only getting bigger and bigger. So uh, I think that there's, they should definitely go play in Europe. That makes a lot of sense to me, um, you know, but it is the NHL, so who knows? I, w- I would like to see it happen, though. Email here from Alex. He says, hey, guys, during your time as a Blackhawks fan, who is a Blackhawks prospect who has most excited exceeded your expectations during their career? Duncan Keith. That's my answer. Keith, to me, was a guy who was so small when he was drafted. Uh, we knew about the speed. We knew about the endurance. Those were sort of the selling points they had when he came out. I don't think anyone – could have seen duncan keith becoming a hall of fame defenseman coming out of college coming out of michigan state i don't think anyone saw that coming from a guy who said okay it'll be interesting we'll see you know maybe he'll get a cup of coffee or play a couple years uh bring some speed to the d and maybe max out like a brian campbell type that was sort of the hope duncan keith has been i don't even have to say it the dude is one of the best defensemen of this generation one of the best defensemen I've ever seen play the game. So that's my answer. Duncan Keith, faux show. All right, email here from Nick. Says, hey guys, enjoy the show. Seabrook still looks overmatched when it comes to the speed other teams' top lines throw at him and Keith. Isn't the solution to the issue to switch Ruta and Seabrook? This allows Ruta, who I personally feel like has been solid, to play with Keith as a shutdown pairing. Well, also allowing Seabrook to play with Forgeling with sheltered zone starts and less stiff competition. That's true. The only thing that I don't like about that, though, is you're taking your two best defensemen and putting them together, and that's hurting the other four. I see what you're saying. You want to give Seabrook better zone starts and things like that, but when you have Ruda and you have Keith as kind of your clear one and two right now, I think it makes a lot of sense to keep them separated. Yes, you had Keith playing with Jalmerson, and, in years past, but you had a, a deeper bottom four. After that, right? You had Campbell and Seabrook and Oduya and whoever else they brought in for those couple years. They did it. This year's not the same as that. So I think there are some guys that need that protection. And Ruda has become in a short time someone you can put out there to protect his partner. So I think for the time being, I think you have to. Uh, I think you got to kind of stick with Ruda where he is away from Duncan Keith. However, you want to do it. I think you have to keep those two separate. Email here from Anthony says, guys, love the podcast, love your work. Thank you. My question for you guys is, who is more likely to stay a Blackhawk after the contract is up, Taves or Kane? And could you see a situation where one could be moved before their contract is up? Boy, I think it's very unlikely. I think both those guys are Hawks for life. Um, That's kind of – I think it's always been their plan um, is to just let those guys just – play their entire career here retire here and never have to worry about it um if I had to predict one to leave I would think Kane would be more likely to leave um just because I feel like he's always kind of had that itch to play in Buffalo um to play for his hometown team I haven't really gotten that vibe from from Taves wanting to go back to Winnipeg and who would um I don't know it's hard to say And and I'm curious to see how Taves is going to be, you know, this year, next year, the year after. He's had a couple down years in a row. Um, So I wonder if maybe this is his last contract. I don't know. I don't know. We've got some time to find out. But I think if I had to make a prediction, um, I would definitely predict that they both stay and both retire Blackhawks. Uh, Email here from Sarah. Sarah, thanks for the email. Very similar to the Seabrook one we got already, though, so I'm not going to read them twice. Uh, Email here from Paula. She says... Hey guys, so does it make everyone else nervous that the offense is kind of falling apart without Schmaltz? And it doesn't seem like anyone else can effectively fill in even close to the same way with Kane. Is Vinny a center or forward? Just looking at the speed compliment. I hope the kid can stay healthy. Also, the new Hawks jerseys are awful. Any teams that you've noticed that actually improve with the new brand. Thanks for all the hot takes with or without Jalula. Thank you, Paula. Um, yeah, well we talked we've talked about the Hawks jerseys ad nauseum. They're bad. They look like Little Orphan Annie or uh, the Dutch Boy, something bad. Um, I think that the Wild are better. I think that the Preds are better. I think the Blues are better. I saw the Devils. They looked a little bit better. But no one's, like, unquestionably better. I think they, they need to change that collar. No one's going to buy that jersey. There's no way. No one's going to buy that jersey. Who wants to wear that? I saw it in the story the other day. I think it was... a. Uh, it was a lids like one of those lids locker rooms or whatever and saw the hawks jersey there it's bad it just looks so bad like montreal if i'm not mistaken at least has laces to kind of break up the look of that neck oh so bad Ugh. they have to know they've had to hear enough feedback to say okay this sucks we have to find a way to fix it in the off season. they will they'll find a way and i somebody i know a uh, nick Louveri, who's a great chicago photographer uh posted some photoshops of maybe if they cut the white part you know halfway so it ends at the collarbone I think that looked better even if they just got rid of the neckline altogether and just went solid red even that looked better anything is better than the little kid cower the little schoolboy cower they're wearing right now it looks awful I know they're just following a template for how they did the rest of the league but it looks bad it just looks bad Hey, they keep winning, though. I don't really care. Uh, Last email of the show goes to Max. He says, do you guys think attendance is down at the UC a little bit because of two back-to-black early playoff exits, or do you think the highest price of the tickets that are keeping the UC from selling out? I think it's a little bit of both. I also think that a lot of it has to do with the Cubs. The Cubs are in the playoffs. People want to stay home and watch the Cubs play. Uh, I think you're going to see attendance go back up as soon as the Cubs are eliminated. Things will look a little more normal than they did than they have so far this season all right now it is time to reward the winner of the emailer of the show some very good questions this week I'm going to award the email of the show to Nick who asks us about the defensive pairings if the should if the Hawks should pair up Jan Ruda and Duncan Keith so let me reach in Nick Flossie F-L-O-S-I I hope I said that right Nick thank you for listening thanks for the email I'm going to reach into my box of old cards here and pull out what do we got oh yeah we've got a 1996 upper deck jeff Shantz blackhawks card speaking of useless blackhawks memorabilia you just got your own piece my friend thank you nick for the email it was a very good one among a lot of great ones this week and that's going to do it for the madhouse chicago hockey podcast thanks for listening as always we're brought to you by triple threat sports for all your team outfitting needs call chris At 708-478-6090, Marishka's and Crest Hill, family owned and operated since 1933, and Chuck's Southern Comforts Cafe with locations in Burbank and Darien, visit chuckscafe.com. Thank you all for listening to the Madhouse Chicago Hockey Podcast.